Hey, good morning. Happy Easter. And um, if you're new, I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor here. Really glad that you are worshiping with us today and celebrating Easter with us today. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, don't know me, um, I'm one of these people, and the more I tell the story, the more common I realize this is. I you know, grew up in a small town in a very conservative um, church. And, and, and a lot of times it's kind of, we just kind of, we talked about the same things over and over and over again. And one of the first words that I remember, kind of first church words I remember learning is this word gospel. And the gospel, you know, if I find out what that means, talking about the gospel, we talk about the gospel, we're talking about, you know, basically Easter weekend. That Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that um, he came back to life on Easter Sunday and, and you need to believe in that. And then, you know, you hang around long enough, and like I said, we were, we were these people. When I, when, I, when, I, when I say and went to church, I calculated this once, and the math was, 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 was disturbing. It was like it was probably between 12 and 15 hours a week, and um, you multiply that times 52, and you multiply that times 18, right? And then suddenly, like, whatever it is I am, you know, that's, that's, that's part of it, right? And, um, and, and one way that they would refer to this, to this gospel, this, this word that I'm learning, they would call it good news. It was, it was the good news. I'm like, okay, well, gospel, good news. And you find out that's actually what, you know, what that word, there's a Greek word that translates gospel sometimes. We, we, it, that's what it means. It means good news. Like, great. And then pre-adolescent brain becomes adolescent brain, and then you start asking the question, if the thing that we're talking about all the time is good news, why is everybody so angry all the time? And if this message that I'm hearing multiple times a week, every week, is good news, why do I feel so bad afterwards? There was something about good news that I feel like that was missing. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, why, why, was it, why did there seem to be so much bad news? So I've been thinking about that kind of leading up to this week as we're kind of celebrating Easter together and... And I realize there is this sense that good news is only good news if there's, if there's bad news, right? If like there's a contrast. Like, for example, and let's, let's just imagine. Again, imagine. This isn't true, right? So don't, don't look under your seat, okay? Let's just imagine that under your seat right now, everybody's like, there's a dollar under your seat. How many of you would think that was good news? And my guess is most of the good news would be right over here with the little kids. Man, a dollar is awesome. Right? You can almost buy something at the dollar store with a dollar. Right? Hey, Layla gets excited. She, she gets a dollar. We can go buy something at the dollar store. Like, I've got to find a dime. And Anyways, that's not what we're talking about today. Um, you know, a dollar is like, it doesn't really necessarily impact you know, a whole lot necessarily. But there's a number. There's a number that is, that number gets bigger. And, and if that money were under your seat, now we're, now we're, now we're searching for it and hoping, you know, People at other services haven't already taken it, right? And for some people, it's like, hey, $20? I mean, that's, that, 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 that's, 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 that's like life-changing. And typically what that, what that, what that reflects is, is bad news. I'm, I'm in such a, I'm in this really desperate situation, and because of that, $20 is great news. I, I really need that. And as I was thinking about illustrating this, I almost, 
I almost did this. I almost did this. I almost brought a prop. I almost brought a prop. And then I just, I just decided, I decided, I just, I can't. I can't be prop guy. I just can't. You, you, we can maybe take a straw poll at some time. It's like, man, it would have been great if you had been prop guy today, but I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. So anyway, Matt, I almost called some people like who have a pool and asked them to bring like a, like a life preserver deal, you know, with the little, little donut deals. But I just, I just kind of imagine myself, guys, look. And then it's like, uh, it's, no. Okay. So anyway, so I bring one of those things. I'm like, good news, guys. I've got a life preserver. We're all going to be okay. And be like, that doesn't even make any sense. Like, no one's swimming. There isn't an even water here. That isn't, you're not saving us from anything. But dude, I got the life preserver. And so, there are situations in which a life preserver is not only good news, it's great news. But it's good news, it's great news, because of the bad news. I'm, I'm drowning. I find myself in a desperate situation financially, and good news becomes great news because of a bad circumstance. And so as we reflect on Easter and we think about this thing that we're celebrating, this awesome thing that Jesus Christ did for us, I think it's important for us to reflect on the bad news a little bit. But here's the thing, like I said, in my church growing up, it seemed like we shouted the bad news. Whispered the good news. Let me tell you who we're trying to be. We're trying to people. We're not trying to ignore bad news. We want to be honest about who we are and what sin is and the state of our world. But we want to shout good news. But at first, we need to make sure. At first, we need to understand that there was bad news. In our lives, the first thing that we need to make sure we understand is there's bad news. And um, over the course of the last few weeks, in the kind of the weeks leading up to Easter, we've been kind of going through different verses, different passages in the book of Romans. As Paul is kind of explaining this good news to us, he's explaining this gospel, trying to help, help everybody completely understand what it is that Jesus Christ did. And he spends his first part, the first part of that book, talking about the bad news. And one of those verses we looked at a few weeks ago is Romans 3.23. And in Romans 3.23, Paul says this, that for, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He's putting it out there. It doesn't matter what your background was. It doesn't matter how religious you were growing up. It does not matter if you were Jewish or not. It doesn't matter if you knew the Old Testament law or not. It doesn't matter if you're trying to be a good person. It doesn't matter if you're not trying to be a good person. Everybody's in the same situation. Everybody is a sinner and has fallen short of this standard that is the perfection and goodness and greatness of God. Everybody has. Now, there was a time in my life, and, and I go all the way back to college, and here's the thing. I, I, this, my, my brain has, done this, has been doing this, like, not just today, but forever. Like, I think about like my, my, my college days, and I think that was like 10 years ago. And um, when you have a college student as a daughter, hey, your college years were not 10 years ago, right? So it wasn't 10 years ago. It wasn't, I mean, I was, anyway. 25 plus years ago, when I was in college, there seemed to be a lot of objection to this idea. There seemed to be this prevalent thought out there. It meant not everybody's a sinner. People are basically good. The world's basically good. And if we just try real hard, we can make things good. And I've discovered really over the last 10 years especially that more and more people are coming around to the basic idea that Christians have been saying for a long time, which this world is essentially broken. And it is broken because we broke it. 
We are broken, and we broke it, and all collectively we are breaking this world. You don't have to go very far to just hear and see and experience the anguish and the frustration of people as they feel and believe that the world is being destroyed. And not just physically, but, but morally. And people just speak out against this. And I think that we all are aware of the brokenness of this world, but I think it's also important for us to take it to that next step. It's not just they. It's not just us. It's not just the world. It's me. I have lived in a way that has broken me. I'm breaking this world. I'm hurting people. I'm damaging my own soul. And the Bible describes then that because of this, because we fall short of how great God is, we are now isolated from this God. I want to attain God, but I fall short. And so now I'm isolated, I'm separated from God. And that's the bad news. But we don't want to just talk about bad news. We do not want to be a church that shouts bad news and whispers good news. We will speak openly about bad news, but then we need to make sure we understand this. First there was bad news, but then there's good news. There's good news. And this is where our world is falling short right now. Again, you don't have to get on Twitter for very long. You don't have to you follow the, enough of the right people on Twitter or Facebook or you just get on any news site in the world and, and you can see a lot of anguish. But there's no hope. There's nothing but just terrible and gloom and doom and bad and this and this and this. And the Bible talks about Bad news, it talks about the world being broken. But every time you go to the Scriptures and there's bad news, there's always a comma. I guess to be precise, sometimes it's a semicolon, maybe a period, an ellipsis, I don't know. Anyways, there's always but. And we have this verse, Romans 6.23, which is one of the ones we looked at a couple, a couple of weeks ago. It says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there's that first part. There's that bad news part. You're a sinner, and because of that, you've earned death, which is the kind of thing we talked about. This death, you have separated. You are separated from God. You're trying to attain God. You try to have a relationship with God, and you fall short. And so you're separated from Him. And that is your state and will be your state. That is what the Bible describes as spiritual death, an eternity separated from God. But there it is. Comma. But, but, there's good news. God saw you in that state. He saw all of us in that state. But He gave us a gift, and that gift was His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, He came here, He showed us how to live, He talked about how to have a good relationship with God, and that's great in and of itself, but that's not all that He did. The Bible describes His death as a death for us. The wages of sin is death, but God's gift is the life of Jesus. His death counts for your death, and because He died, we don't have to. Because He... He separated Himself on the cross and died for us. We no longer have to be separated from God. This state that we find ourselves in of separation 
of anguish, of brokenness. That's not the end. And again, this is what our world lacks. There's a lot of despair about brokenness out there, but there's not hope. And the good news is that there is hope. In a chaotic, broken world, you can have life in Jesus Christ because of His death on the cross. And then, just in case you're confused, man, people die. Martyrs happen all the time. People die for good causes. Bad people kill good people. So that we would know that Jesus is not just somebody who spoke positively about God. He wasn't just a reformer who got killed by the establishment. He is the Lord of the universe. And His resurrection, and He comes back to life. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to worry. You don't have to wonder if death is the end. It's not. He showed that. He showed death is not the end. And that we can have life with Him. That's good news. And so Paul is building this up over the course of several chapters. He's, in, he's making sure we understand. We understand who God is, how powerful and awesome He is, then how we fall short of that with, with our sin and that our sin has this consequence. But then he begins to talk about Jesus and these great things that He did and that it all kind of culminates, this kind of first large piece of this book of Romans, it kind of culminates here in Romans chapter 9. Because all the way up until this point, all he's making really is kind of a theological argument. Here are things that you need to know. You need to know this. You need to know this. You need to know this. You need to understand this. Do you get this? Do you understand this? It's, a, it's kind of a, it, it reads more like a theology textbook. But here in this moment, in Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9, he kind of gets to the therefore. Now here's what needs to be true. Verse 9, Romans chapter 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All the way up until this point here in Romans chapter 10, you could have gotten away with, I guess, perhaps, listening to all this and saying, man, Paul, that is very interesting. Wow, that is, that is insightful. I didn't know that that's what Christians believed. I didn't know that that was true. That's an interesting way of looking at that. That's quite the perspective that you have there. I'll have to think about that. Those would all be reasonable applications, I believe, up until this point. But Paul turns the corner here. He says, you don't understand. This is not just some academic thing that we're talking about. This is not just some random bits of theology. This is not just some interesting ideas about God and who His Son is. You need to understand something. You have a decision that you need to make. He says you need to uh, believe in your heart, not just acknowledge some truth. You need to believe in your heart. You need to confess with your mouth, and then you personally can be saved. So he's talked about the bad news, he talks about the good news, and ultimately we end up here, is that you need to make the good news your news. This is personal to you. 
This is not an academic study in Christian theology. This is not an interesting discussion about the nature of sin and God and the reality of the person of Jesus Christ. This is not what that is. This is about God's good news becoming your good news. Now, my wife, Heidi, uh, we will have been married um, 25 years here in about a month. And um, she, when she, she became a Christian in college, um, she, she would describe her testimony. I, I love the way that she would describe it. She would, she would say, I, I knew all these things. I knew all these things. I'd been to church plenty, and I knew about Jesus and that he, he, he did things and said things and did miracles. I knew he died on a cross. I knew he came back to life. I knew it was Easter. She knew all the facts. But she said she would describe those facts. They, they, they were irrelevant to her. They didn't, really, they, didn't really, they didn't really matter to me. It was just, these were just stories. And I was thinking about, I've always thought about that ever since I've heard her describe it. And I think about people who maybe are completely familiar with the idea of why Christians celebrate Easter. And I would imagine that most of the people here who will come to church on Easter at least have a passing familiarity with the idea of Jesus dying on the cross and coming back to life on Easter Sunday. But what does that story mean? And, I, and as I think about that, I think about different, different stories I was taught growing up. And think about this. This, this is, you know, I, I actually saw this on Twitter the other day. People complaining, and if you're old like me, right, you ever feel like that you, 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 you learned a lot of useless facts in school and not useful things? I saw this thing the other day. It talked about, you know, that, I, that no one taught me how to do my taxes. I didn't learn how to balance a checkbook. But I know that the, the, the Native American word for corn is maize. Like, who got taught that it was maize? Like, maize. Like, okay, a few old people here in the room. Thank you. See that hand? Um, like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with that, but I, I, I know that fact, right? And so there's certain stories, like there's one in particular, you know, that George Washington, when he was a kid, chopped down a cherry tree. And then he was asked about it. He, he, he couldn't tell a lie. I chopped down the cherry tree. Right? It doesn't really matter if that story's true or not. It's meant to say, George Washington was a good guy, and you shouldn't lie either. That's kind of how it was used. It doesn't really matter if it's true. Now, I assure you that what we're talking about with Jesus is not that. It's not some myth about some person that's real, and it doesn't matter if it's true or not. That's not what this story is. I also learned this, that Christopher Columbus had three ships, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Again, that's true. Unlike the, George, the, the chopping of the tree, that's a true story and completely and totally irrelevant. But it's a fact now that I know. That's not what this story is. It's true, but it's just kind of interesting. Then eventually you get to the point where you, you learn about uh, Martin Luther King and his I Have a Dream speech. And it's incredibly inspirational. And you hear about his mission, and you hear this speech, and you realize, maybe in my heart, I need to be a little bit different than what I've been. And it's really inspirational. It's a powerful story. And as powerful as that story is, that's not what this story is. This is not a story that is meant to inspire you. This is a story that is meant to change the direction of your life now and the direction of your eternity because of a personal decision that you are required to make that I need to take these truths and recognize that they apply personally to me. 
It's not that everybody is a sinner. It's that I'm a sinner. It's not that the wages of sin is death. It's the wage that I pay for my sin is death. And it's not that Jesus died on the cross for sins. It's Jesus died on the cross for your sins. The free gift of God for you is your eternal life. And if you will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart, I believe these things in my heart, I confess them with my mouth, they are true to me in the deepest, most personal way that I recognize not just these facts, but that this was something that God did for me. It says here that you will be saved. It says that you will never be put to shame. It says that you will be justified. You will be made right with God. You will not have to face what the Bible calls death. If you will make this news, this good news, your good news, not something that Christians celebrate, not something that they talk about at church, but something that is uniquely personal to you, what Jesus Christ did for you. I believe that in my heart and I confess it. So we always do this. Of course, we're going to do it on Easter as well. We just kind of have some end of the service reflection time. And I think I would just ask. Think about what I was telling about my wife. Where would you put that story? Jesus died on the cross and he came back to life. Where's that story for you? Has it been an interesting myth? Is it irrelevant facts? Is it inspirational for you to do better, be better? Or is it a life-changing, eternity-altering event for you that has been made personal to you? And my guess is is there are plenty of people here with just enough familiarity to the gospel to believe that they understand it, but they have never made it their own. And our prayer for you is that that is what today will be for you. When you went from just facts of a story to a personal decision that I have made to put my faith and hope and trust in this Jesus. And if you have already done that, I just pray that this time of worship reflection will be This is a time for you to just rekindle the personal nature of what Jesus Christ did for you. And so as always, we have ways to respond in the back. There's prayer candles available. You can can lift up prayers to God that way. You can pray at the cross. Our prayer team, they've been here all morning. Would love to pray with you if you have a burden, a concern of any kind. Communion is available, which is what Christians do to kind of celebrate and remember what Jesus Christ did. The, the bread is symbolic of his body that was broken when he died, and the, and, and the juice in the cup is symbolic of his blood. And you take that, the bread, you dip it in the cup, and you, and you take it as a remembrance, an honoring, a commitment, a, a, a recognition of the awesome thing that Jesus Christ did for you. We're also going to continue in worship. And so whether it's for the first time, or for the next time, let's just deepen our heart, make this good news my good news. Let's pray. God, I thank you for Easter. God, I thank you for good news. God, I'm thankful that we don't have to live in a world of just bad news. 
that we can be surrounded by bad news of other people. We can be surrounded by our own bad news. But God, that we can live lives of hope. We can live lives of peace. We can live lives of joy because of the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. That you paid the penalty for my sin. You've restored me to God and you have given me eternal life. And God, I pray for everyone for whom that's true. That we would celebrate that deeply in our hearts today. And God, I pray for those of us who just still aren't quite there yet. Who are coming to understand the story. But it's still a story that's out there somewhere. And God, I pray that for those of us who are that way, that that story that's out there would become real and in us. And we thank you for your son who did that for us, and it's his name we pray. Amen.